Hello, my name is Samuel George London. Happy New Year and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to award-winning comic book creator and terrific bloke Terry Moore about what comics he would take into an alien invasion apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month, you can get monthly issues of the History of Comics 1930-2030, to monthly issues of the brand new Shift Comic Anthology, and two Comic Scene specials per year. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. On a side note, two weeks ago I launched my seventh Kickstarter, Band of Warriors. Merging historical events with Celtic and Greek mythology, Band of Warriors is an epic tale of adventure, betrayal and vengeance set in 1500 BC. If that tickles your fancy, feel free to check it out by searching for Band of Warriors on Kickstarter or by simply clicking the respective link in the show notes. But be warned, it's for mature readers only. Now... Without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Terry Moore. How's it going? Oh, very well. Glad to be here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, and uh, it was it was nice to have a little bit of uh, chit chat with you before we came on the air. We're actually talking about the fact that you know you've you've kind of you've passed through England quite a few times now, haven't you? I have, um, and sometimes I land. Uh, but yes. <laughs> I fly over you a lot, uh, but I haven't been to an English show in a long time. I was supposed to go in 2020 uh, to the Lakes District and that got messed oh. up. So I'm looking forward to coming back. Oh, 100%. Um, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to seeing you at a con, hopefully next year, maybe. Um, we'll have to kind of wait and see, won't we? To see what yeah, happens with all of that, absolutely. Um, yeah. But uh, all, all of that aside, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, and for anybody that hasn't come across you before, and there's going to be so few of those, Terry. Uh, but what do you do in the world of comics? Uh, well, I am an indie comic creator. I write and draw my own stories, um, and I started with Strangers in Paradise. Uh, back when we were all much younger. And then I did Echo, Motor Girl, Rachel Rising, Strangers in Paradise 25, and then a book called Five Years. And last year in 2020, I put out Ever, a graphic novel. And today, this year in 2021, I'm doing a new series called Serial, uh, which features a 10-year-old serial killer. That's me. Um I'm looking forward to that. Um, do we do, do we have an ETA for that? Uh, yeah, the first one comes out on the 13th, uh, and you know now we get to have global releases, so you'll get on the 13th as well if you're on Comicsology and stuff. Oh, perfect! So, folks, make sure that you look out for that. And uh, uh, where can they find you online, Terry? Uh, probably the well, I'm on Terry Moore Art at all the social media. Uh, but I have a website, and I think terrymoreart.com still gets you there, but it's abstractstudiocomics.com as well. So uh, oh. that's where the store is. You can buy these books that are impossible to find in your local shop. Um, <laughs> so 
Yeah, uh, track me down. It's it, I can be found. I want to be found. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and uh, all, all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So um, go click through onto Terry's website, find him on social media, um, and then check out all, all of his things whilst we're speaking. Um, now, um, unfortunately, Terry, I've, I've got some bad news on, on top of the dire situation that we're in at the moment. Unfortunately, there's been an alien invasion as well. I knew it. I knew so it. yeah, I know. Just when it rains, it pours, right? So right, right. <laughs> I, I had it on my bingo card. I was expecting it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> your apocalypse bingo card. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what what is your action plan for survival in this alien invasion? Well, I know that everybody else uh, uh, plans to run, but what I'm going to try to do is find out what music they like and play it nonstop. So. Uh, you know, Sinatra, techno pop, whatever. You know, maybe they like garbage disposals. Maybe that's music to alien ears. So I'll I'll get a portable garbage disposal, whatever it takes. <laughs> that is ingenious, and and you're quite a musician as well, aren't you? Yes. Um, you know, I've only recently taken up the garbage disposal, but I spent my whole life uh, playing guitar. So yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic, and you know, music is is the is the you know doorway to every, most people's hearts. So I'm sure it's the same with aliens. So that's that's definitely a good plan. Um, and and if, whilst uh, you're, <laughs> yeah, and if music is the doorway to people's hearts, then comics is the bathroom window. So I'm coming <laughs> in one way or the other. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, and uh, once you have, uh, you know, opened the door to their hearts, you 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 make some form of communication with these aliens and you know get them interested in comics via the the, the bathroom window um which is handy um and you know the first thing that they ask you is what's the first comic you remember enjoying uh dennis the menace goes to washington and and it's the american dennis you know the blonde kid yes yeah because uh, i was living i was like a, a little boy about dennis the menace's age and there was this trade paperback like book, you know, it was like thick, like 50, 60 pages. And his family takes a trip to Washington, D.C. And he goes to all the sites and has fun and gets in trouble. And I wanted to do that. You know, I was like eight years old. I thought, yeah, that's cool. That's I like I like this story. That's a lot better than a superhero comic where, you know, a purple rock falls and they spend the day trying to get rid of it. I liked the Dennis Menace story when I was eight. Yeah, and it, I mean it's it's such an appealing comic um, for, for for children, really, isn't it? Um, it's kind of a, you know it's a young lad getting getting up to no good, do, doing what you wish you could do, I guess. Yeah, and the, the the charm was that he just hung out on the street. I mean, if he wasn't doing a travel book, uh, he was just on the street, just with his slingshot, you know, just looking for trouble in the yard or on the sidewalk, you know, like Calvin and Hobbes. Um, I like that. And then when I was, went to England, um, when I was about 10 and discovered the English tennis, um, that was a whole other world. And I thought, Oh my <laughs> God, <laughs> the world's a big place. Oh my God. <laughs> It'd be interesting for those two to me. I don't know if they ever have. Only in my sketchbook. I have a sketchbook from when I was nine, and I drew them both in there. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, bet, I bet you could 
bet you could kind of raise a lot of money for charity with that. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Definitely, or at, least, really or at least get a lot of retweets on, on Twitter. <laughs> there's a lot of really horrible drawings of uh, superheroes in there as well. Uh, I did not look like I was ever going to end up drawing. Um, I'm sure I was meant to do something else, such as garbage collection or something, but um, yeah. <laughs> no promise in that book. <laughs> there is no sign of promise in that book. Fantastic. And so obviously um, that sounds like that's really where drawing started for you, um, yeah. was kind of at that age. And so what what took you to the next level? Because a lot of children myself included drew when I was younger but it never turned into anything for me what what kind of pushed you to to push yourself to become a better artist I I don't know if I ever would have gotten serious if not for uh, a couple of guys that I met in high school junior high really uh, which is seventh grade seventh uh, you know grade seven through twelve here and um, they were I was the new kid when I came back from Africa when I you know I went to England and Africa and then came back to the states and it was like sixth or seventh grade and I was trying to make friends and the guy that I met was this tall uh, guy who liked to draw these cartoons and his cartoons made me laugh because he was drawing you know he wasn't copying everything that we saw he was just drawing his own thing and he had this really great design of a toad in a checkered suit with a cigar. And he would um, find ways to get this toad to fall off a cliff or blow up or, you know, all the good stuff you think of as a, as when you're 14. And it made me laugh in class. And then I started drawing to get him to laugh. And we basically spent the rest of our school years trying to make each other laugh. Um, and I really learned a lot about cartooning and started paying more attention to art. And uh, the biggest thing I learned from them back then was that the more you set something up, the funnier it was. Right. So if if I said, like, you know, we jam 150 toads into a Volkswagen Beetle and it runs off a cliff, um, you smile. But if I give you two pages of setup of how they all got in there and why the thing runs off a cliff, I can make it really funny, you know. And So it taught me timing and be better and be cleaner and how to letter and all that kind of stuff. I did it all with a big pen. Um, very fun. Wow. Yeah. That's but it's it's great to cut your teeth like that, isn't it? Yeah, you, it was kind of like learning to love uh, ball because you played every day in the park or something, and just really developing that teenage set of skills that you get, you know, and the enthusiasm mm. and the love and the research and checking out all the other books. That's that was my deal, you know, my apprenticeship. Amazing. And so then, you know, leaping forward many, many years, there was these strangers in, in paradise um, came into your mind. Um, and uh, famously, you essentially published it yourself through your own publishing house. Yeah. And you know why? Uh, because when I got out of high school, one of the, the other thing I did in high school was play guitar. And I always played in cover bands, you know, copy bands. We played, you know, we could imitate anybody. Mm. Well, I did that for several years after I got out of school. And I realized we weren't going nowhere. You know, the only people who went anywhere were the originals. Um, A cover band goes nowhere. 
you work every night in the in a club, but you know you have no future. Mm. So my music career died on the vine like that. And then later, when I got a chance at comics, um, I thought, okay, no cover work, no copy work. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to go draw Superman. I want to draw my own stuff and be my own thing because I've already had one creative chance and blown it by copying others. So I'm just going to stay original, do my own thing, and hope for the best. You know, think or swim on my own stuff. And you certainly swam. <laughs> I had to. Yeah. I was, I was looking for a new career because I really didn't like what I was doing. So, yeah, I was very motivated. Very much so, and and it obviously panned out. Multi Eisner Award winning, um, and uh, Harvey Award winning as well. So, congratulations, Terry, on on a, an incredible career. Um, now, um, moving back to our alien conversation, um, the next. A uh, question that comes up from our alien friends is what's the funniest comic that you've read? Uh, I have, a, there were, I love the cartoons in the back of National Lampoon, the magazine. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that gets circulated much in the UK or in Europe, but gosh, it was funny back in the 70s and it was all very politically incorrect. It was like a, a magazine version of not the nine o'clock news and Monty Python right. and all that. So um, there was cartoonists in the back and there was one guy who had a really shaky pen. I, that was his style. And his name was Charles Rodriguez. And he drew a couple of cartoons that I was laughing so hard when I saw them, I couldn't catch my breath. Um, one of them is a guy who has this, who's shaking like crazy. And he's trying to pee in a urinal and it's going everywhere. <laughs> and everybody else in the bathroom is hiding in a stall. <laughs> and I mean, it's just stupid, right? Stupid. And there's another one where there's uh, a guy in uh, a doctor's office and he has a tiny prick, uh, a hole in his finger, just, you know, a little, little hole, but it's squirting out blood uh, like it's an artery. And, the floor is covered in blood. This guy is bleeding out of his finger as the doctor, nearsighted doctor, is trying to thread a needle to sew it up. <laughs> I mean, you just got to look them up, okay? Look up uh, Charles Rodriguez National Lampoon cartoons, and you'll see these. And I mean, my God, I was just visually on site funny. It, you, yeah. There's no words in any of them. Just instantly. I mean, we could be standing in the middle of nowhere, Antarctica, and just see this cartoon and start laughing. So they're just great. I love that. Those, those are the best, though. It's like you just see the whole thing at once and it just clicks. Yeah, yeah. Just right on site, you start laughing, you know. And that's what I love about art. You know, it didn't, didn't take you an hour and a half to figure out if you liked it or not. You, yeah. you know on site. That's amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, changing gears with our alien friends, they ask, what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read? I have been ranting and complaining about this my entire adult life. Uh, so it's no secret. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you again, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's the death of Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man. Uh, that's the biggest most horrible act of mankind 
that's ever happened in the history of mankindiness. Uh, before that comic, life was great. And then after that day, I read that comic when I was on a delivery job and I was in a car and I stopped for lunch, which was like a candy bar and a Coke. And I read the comic and I was so mad. I threw it out the window into the parking oh, wow. lot Wow! and drove away. And I did not look at another comic for like 15 years. I was, I, I'd had it. I mean, I adored Gwen Stacy. She was the one. Yeah. That's who he was supposed to marry. She uh-huh. was great, you know. And Mary Jane was just, you know, like her, you know, wild friend that was going to end up as an actress or something, you know. Uh, Gwen was the kind you marry. Mary Jane was the kind you, you know, don't get serious about because she'll eat you alive. And so they got it all backwards, you know. And just, oh, man, I was so mad. And it's written by a guy whose name I haven't mentioned out loud since, you know, like Beelzebub. Mm. It's a he who shall not be mentioned. <laughs> Absolutely. I can understand that. But I mean, no, you uh, don't understand my grief. No, 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 no. It, You're probably quite right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's seven levels of hell to even talk about this. I need more therapy. Incredible. But um, it's. Uh, it just goes to show you how powerful comics can be. I yeah, think. yeah. You know, you you fall in love with these characters, and then you spend years getting to know them, hanging out with them, elbow to elbow. Yeah. And then if somebody new comes along and says, "Oh, that that was all not true. It's really like this," yeah. and they become something you don't recognize. You know, you feel betrayed or something. It's like, um, gosh, just imagine this. They decided Superman was really evil all this time. It was all backwards. You know, Luther yeah. was the good guy. So we thought there would be quite a revolt. So I've had a one-man revolt against that comic ever since. I, nobody else agrees with me. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's good to have principles and stick to them. <laughs> well, everybody else lives in this weird place called reality. I, I feel sorry for them. But in my, I live in this alternative universe where Gwen Stacy was actually killed in the comic and Peter Parker went on to marry Mary Jane. And it's just all horribly weird and wrong. I wish I could find the other version of the universe that I liked better. Absolutely. Um, Hopefully and, uh, I've made my point here. <laughs> I, 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 I think so. Definitely, Terry. Um, but okay. uh, yeah, again, it just, it just goes to show how, how powerful and passionate that we can all get about comics and just kind of just shows that you can be really invested in these characters and they feel like real people and when you know something like that happens to a character um then you know you can be distraught from it um and it's it's just incredible it's both upsetting (laughs) but also incredible at the same time um it's very upsetting and uh thank you for bringing it up again yeah, but, uh, sorry uh, about opening an old wound. <laughs> sorry about that, Terry. But it did make me realize years later when I'm doing Strangers in Paradise and people start falling in love with Kachu and Francine that mm-hmm. I have a responsibility, you know. And yeah. after a while, I'm I'm really not the sole ownership. It's kind of like sharing with the world. And you get it to be on probation. My job is to not mess them up, you know. Yeah. It's kind no, of strange. That's a great lesson, yeah. actually, to take away from that. Um, and uh, 
talking about opening up old wounds, uh, the next question that comes from our alien friends is what's the scariest comic that you've read? Um, I have to tell you that when I was growing up, um, I really did not like the Superman comics that were drawn. Some of the artists were good. Some of them were not so good. And the guy that I couldn't even look at his version of Superman was, I guess I can say his name because he's long gone. Wayne Boring, B-O-R-I-N-G. Yeah. And Wayne Boring drew the ugliest Superman I've ever seen. He he had this low sloping, back sloping forehead and a big massive jaw and his body his body was wide and thick like an old gladiator movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not not like, you know, he came out of a gym, but more like he was like, you know, like when the guys in the nineteen forties took their shirt off, he looked like that, you know. Yeah. A yeah, it just you know, just a, a sack of sugar, you know, and um, I don't know. It was just, just gross. I couldn't look at it, you know. Like sometimes men's bodies gross me out anyway, even as a right. kid. <laughs> yeah. Like I like Superboy better than Superman because Superman was just this big old guy, and I I never wanted to be stuck in a room with him. Um, and then Wayne Boring's version was even worse. I didn't look at Superman again until Kurt Swan came back. And then Kurt Swan drew this really handsome Superman with a normal body, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't know. It just seemed like in Wayne Boring's hands that Superman was a big old dolt. And, <laughs> he, you know, his, his problem was like he just kept picking up red kryptonite, you know? It's just like, when are you going to learn, you dope? <laughs> yeah, you know? come on. Come on, buy a clue. <laughs> so, yeah, that's incredible I, I and, and, and sorry what, what what age were you at, at this point sorry if you don't mind me asking terry uh it's probably you know the same you know same age like this 10 to 15 when i'm looking yeah. discovering all these comics you know and then discovering there's good ones and bad ones and yeah um, i read a lot of marvel dc when i was a young teenager you know mm-hmm. and then when i was about 16 or 17 um when i switched i started smoking cigarettes when i was like 13 and then i stopped at 16 so i could switch mm. to pot <laughs> nice. and when i started when i switched to pot i switched to um uh, alternate alternatives and underground comics and stuff like that and discovered you know robert crumb and all the gang and um i didn't really look at marvel dc again after that Wow. And that's just incredible that at that age, you felt like those body proportions were completely off, you know? Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's because um, you need to have that kind of honesty about looking at stuff if you're going to figure it out yourself. It was never like, somewhere along the way, I went from just looking at it for entertainment to trying to figure out how to do it. And I, maybe it was, if there had been no Kurt Swan, if there had only been Wayne Boring and other artists like him, maybe I never would have tried to draw. But um, when Kurt Swan came along and his Superman was handsome, I tried to figure out, now, why is his so much better than the other guy? You know, what is he doing? And I started looking at the differences. 
it's like one of those tests, find the differences between these two pictures, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like that. That's fantastic that, again, you're able to kind of turn that frown upside down and kind of turn it into a positive and a, and a, and a lesson to learn from as a, as a creator. That's kind of a theme in our life where, mm. you know, something freaks you out and, um, but you eventually you come back and look at it and get closer and then you start studying it and, uh, because you don't want to be freaked out anymore. And you try to figure it out, whether it's, comics or fear of flying or some therapy thing or the computer (laughs) you know it's just how you do it this is the process fantastic Uh, now uh moving on to my favorite question from our alien friends and that is what is your favorite cover these aliens have a lot of questions they do they're they're very detailed and very thoughtful (laughs) are they writing this down i hope oh yeah absolutely Okay. okay um then I would recommend them to look at Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein. Yes. Um, that's, you know, the style of pen and ink that he did for Frankenstein is, you know, 200 years old, that, that pen and mm-hmm. ink style. Mm-hmm. But in all that time, all those newspaper men, all those magazine illustrators, nobody did it better than Bernie did when he was in his prime. That mm-hmm. Frankenstein stuff is just absolutely the pinnacle of pen and ink uh, of all time. Yeah. Mm. That, it that really is. is. It's incredible. Yeah. The level of detail is mind-boggling, isn't it? And he's, he spent the rest of his life complaining about it, but thank God he did it. You know, mm. I'm glad he took the time. I'm glad it drove him crazy. Um, and a friend of his um, that was at the art studio, shared the art studio in New York with him, back in the day said that all Bernie liked to do was drink beer and draw monsters. So I hope he had a fun, fantastic time drawing Frankenstein. (laughs) Maybe he did, you know, I mean, maybe it was just, maybe it was the year he can't remember and we get Frankenstein out of it. That's a great trade. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's a, it's a monumental legacy to leave and, you know, incredibly inspiring both both as a writer of comics, but also it must be inspiring as an artist um, to see oh, as well. Yeah. That's his Mona Lisa. It's his Sergeant Pepper. I mean, I, everybody hopes they could make one thing like that, you know, and he, he did it. Yeah, incredible. Um, now, uh, moving on uh, to another insightful question, and that is what's the most mm-hmm. meaningful comic to you? Ah. Uh, Strangers in Paradise number one. <laughs> my comic. It yeah. changed my life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, if I hadn't made that first one, uh, I wouldn't be here. And who knows when I could have made it. I don't know if I ever could have made it even one day earlier. You know, it's one of those things like a garden where you have to get to a certain point of desire and motivation and frustration. And you get to a point where you've run out of excuses and you just, uh, you know, sit down one night and just start it. And, you know, ever since then, my life has been different. hundred percent and and better for it. And I, th- I think the world's better for it as well. So thank you so much for, for bringing it to us, Terry. I, I hope so. I hope I didn't, you know, just release one big fart into the world. <laughs> I hope so it's something. Not. 
<laughs> I, I hope I did better than that. You know, and just leave something in my wake, you know, that's pleasant and uh, uh, useful to other people. One hundred percent. Um, it's a it's a most welcome addition uh, to, to to the world of creativity and uh, and literature. So um, you should be very proud of yourself for for bringing that in. It's, it's certainly a legacy. So uh, thank you for oh, well, well, myself and, and all cocky. fans. <laughs> thank you. Now I'm too damn cocky about it. <laughs> I'm unsufferable now. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll uh, we'll move swiftly on so we don't uh, boost your ego too much, Terry. Um, but okay. uh, the next question that comes up is: uh, What's the most underrated comic that you've read? I've thought about this before, and I really think that uh, one that I loved and got no love or attention from anybody, I think, was Peter David's run on Supergirl. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a while back, uh, and he was on it for a few short years, two, three, whatever. But near the end of it, I think, um, he had a story about classic Supergirl, you know, Linda Danvers, trying to understand the new Supergirl arrangement that was going on then. You know, there was aliens and clones and robots and, you know, Lego kits, Supergirls, whatever. They, they were just all kinds of other, every other version but the real one. And um, he figured out a way to get Linda Danvers Supergirl in the mix. And uh, she was trying to understand what the hell was going on. And counter. Uh, juxtapositioning her against the modern versions that was hap- that was taking her place, he just really nailed a certain kind of naivete and uh, sense of loss. You know, like I'm lost. I don't understand. I don't know where to go. I don't know what's going on tomorrow. He captured all that in the dialogue, and it was very well drawn. And it was. Honestly, the last time I ever saw that original sweet character, Linda Danvers, he wrote the death of an era there, and I don't think he got enough glory for it. Mm-hmm. I told him personally, and then I bragged about it a few times in some panels, and people go, oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> but then they move on, and I want them to stay and linger on it and discuss it. And, just, you know, yeah. yeah, like it wasn't, you know, Linda Danvers. You know, it's like that's the one that's that's being held by Superman on the dead big famous George Perez death cover. You know, she's uh, her body's in his arms. But there's this little Peter David story where she comes back from heaven for a moment and tries to understand what's going on. That's your really your last glimpse at that really sweet character. Do you really I can't I just noticed this is so much like my 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 mourning, my sense of loss for Gwen Stacy. Right, All yeah. these sweet characters. Yeah, the the girl that you would ask out in school, you know, that you would want to go steady with or go date or whatever. Those are the girls I liked in the comics, you know, not the sassy one that could mm. beat the crap out of me anyway. Yeah. But, you know, the nice girl. And uh, that Supergirl was one and Gwen Stacy was one. So, yeah, of course I picked that out. Wow, that's a, that's a running theme there, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, please, please leave the girl next door alone, all, all creators out there. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> this has been a terrific therapy session. I owe you, like, what, $250 an hour for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you an invoice. Um, oh, but... good, good. <laughs> so worth it. <laughs> no, this is, I'm a new man. 
absolutely brilliant terry um now uh we come on to to our most difficult question and that is for you what is the best comic of all time mad love by paul denny and bruce Toon. absolutely mm-hmm. mad love yeah it, it was the perfect comic I, the writing the art um it, 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 it was just <sighs> harley quinn is just the, the funniest character there she was never that funny or cute or uh, huggable again. And insane. Absolutely batshit crazy. Yeah. And just, but adorable at the same time. I mean, it made such perfect sense. I mean, he just really nailed it. Um, on a scale of 10, I give it a 15. So it's, wow. you know, it, it's just fantastic. I, I don't, I've never seen another one that was that good. That, they didn't. They didn't do another Harley comic that I loved quite as much. But man, and I really feel like it was just a singularity of Paul Denny's path and Bruce Timm's path that they strike at that moment. And that's their that's their contact moment, their singularity, and they produce this spark, Mad Love, and then both of them go off to do other things that you know we don't really follow because we're blinded by Mad Love mm. and. Uh, I guess the guy, those guys are still walking the earth, but all I see is mad love. So, yeah, mad love. 100%. That's fantastic. M A D L O V E, mad love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you if you haven't seen that, check it out. It's kind of is it's basically um <clears throat> set in like the 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 animate the Batman the animated series universe, isn't it? Yeah, because Bruce Timm started that look. Um, he was an animator, a working animator who did not have that look and he developed it, um, previous to this book, uh, carefully, uh, and with help from mentors and creative people, he developed his own unique look that Mm -hmm. we all saw and, uh, perfectly formed and, and we fell in love with. It was really terrific. I think he has imitators, but he's the original. You can never be the original. <laughs> yeah, you have to be the original. If you're an imitator, then you're like an Elvis imitator. You know, yeah. we we love Elvis, but we laugh at the Elvis imitators. So yeah. it's that way with artists as well. You know, uh, we love Jim Lee, but if you draw like Jim Lee, you're never going to work. Yeah. So you know, you got to find your own thing. Exactly. Another great lesson for life, um, Terry. I feel like I should be paying you. As well, you're giving me so many good lessons of life. <laughs> I'll send you an invoice for $251. <laughs> Bingo. There we go. All, all evens out. Yeah, $1. Uh, fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, and um, moving on to our last question. Um, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? I'm going to go with my next one. I'd take my next comic, the one I'm going to make uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I'm positive it'll be the best comic ever uh, and it's going to bring about world peace and answer all the questions and uh, far beyond 42 uh, we'll get into 53 and beyond um, so yeah it's my next book is the one I would take into the apocalypse because I'm sure that um, I'll try I always try to write about my times you know um, that whatever's going on this year is kind of influences me. So if we're all being affected by the apocalypse, I'll write a comic about that and maybe I'll figure out something we can do about it. 
hundred percent. And <clears throat> I hope that becomes a reality that, uh, yeah, your, <clears throat> your next, uh, comic brings about world peace. I think we could all do with that right now. <laughs> all right. Even just a little slice world slice would be nice. Yes. It, it doesn't even have to be the whole pie, you know, just even little bitty teeny chunks, you know, like, we keep talking about microplastics. Why can't we find micro piece, you know, and start right. collecting that in the Pacific and hauling it in? <laughs> Where um, the hell is the micro piece? Exactly. Um, that's the question that we that we all need to start asking. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then alongside that world changing um, comic, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Into the apocalypse. Um, you know what I really, really, really need? Um, and I I need you to get working on this right away for me, just in case. Um, I need a, a soda machine with ice. Uh, because without that, you know, I'm just not going to get anything done. So I'll figure out a way to find us food and machetes. But I, I've got to have a soda with ice first. So. <laughs> That's no problem. Priority. Certainly make that happen. I mean... Even soldiers get to go back to base camp and to the ship and all that. And you know what's waiting for them there? Soda machine with ice. And then they get pumped up and go back out the next day, you know, and fight and all that. And the X-Men have their headquarters, you know, where they all sit around and uh, go to the bathroom and eat some more. And you know what's in there? A soda machine with ice. So <laughs> this is really important stuff. Well, 100%. It kind of it, it grounds you, I think, that sort of thing, doesn't it? And it kind of... It, pumps you up to get back out there and fight the good fight yeah but it also keeps me within walking walking distance i i can only work in a 10 mile radius because i got to get back to that damn machine <laughs> absolutely uh, i need them every 10 miles okay <laughs> that is fantastic and uh, we'd, we'd happily provide that for you there terry um well it's thank been an absolute, it's been an absolute pleasure and um thank you for sharing your comics for the apocalypse oh uh, sure yeah anything i can do to help us get past the apocalypse happy to do it <laughs> fantastic and uh, one more time for the listeners where can they find you online uh, right now they can find me on your, uh, your, your site. So, but other times I'm on social media at Terry Moore art and I have a webpage with all my books available at, um, uh, abstractstudiocomics.com. I think, I think you can also get there through terrymoreart.com. Uh, give that a try just for adventure. <laughs> why not see where you end up um but again the, those links are in the show notes folks so you can click straight through uh via the show notes there um well again terry moore thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure and i really do hope that our paths do cross uh con in the future they have to i you know i've got to come over there it's, uh, it's crazy to keep flying over the uk and not stop so yes i will be there Perfect. Uh, thanks again, Terry, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you on Twitter. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Take care. Thanks again to Terry for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Terry's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, 
Be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now. <laughs>